this morning. I want to share with you from a passage. If you have your Bible today, I want you to turn to Mark chapter 10. We're going to begin in verse 46. It's going to be the primary passage that we're going to look at today. There are other scriptures. And there's a place in your bulletin, there's a place for message notes um, for you to kind of write down some things that God is speaking to you. If you'll listen today uh, and you'll have ears to hear what God is saying, he will speak to you today. God has something for every single person in this room uh, during this service. And so we're going we're gonna to begin to pursue what God has for us. Mark chapter 10, starting in verse 46. You didn't bring your Bible or something. It will be on the screen behind me. It says this. Now they came to Jericho. And as he went, this is Jesus, out of Jericho with his disciples and a great multitude, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the road begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Then many warned him to be quiet, and he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. So Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. Then they called the blind man, saying to him, Be of good cheer, rise, he is calling you. And throwing aside his garment, he rose and came to Jesus. So Jesus answered and said, what do you want me to do for you? The blind man said to him, Rabboni, that I might receive my sight. That I may receive my sight. Then Jesus said, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus on the road. Father, I ask in Jesus' name, right now, Holy Spirit, Lord, we're asking you, to come and to speak to us. Father, I don't want to say words that are mine. I want to say what you're saying. And Lord, we want to receive what you're giving today. Lord, open every heart. Open every heart to receive the great gift you're offering to each one of us in Jesus' name. Now, today's message is really one of the most profound miracles in the Bible and I, I, I found it a little bit of a prophetic sign that on the day that I would get to preach about a profound miracle from the Bible, that a profound miracle would actually show up for the, the first time in our service. Little baby Bentley came today. And those of you who have been praying for Chris and Danielle Wood, man, he was here in first service. And they're, they're just, uh, I mean, the, the doctors are saying, this is a miracle baby. And it's because you guys were praying and you guys were locked in. And believing God for a miracle. And so today we're going to look at this text and look at this miracle and begin to understand some things about where God wants to take us. Now this is a little bit of a prophetic message, so you kind of got to kind of listen to it that way. God will speak to you. This isn't about a collection of information. If you've been in church long enough, you probably have notebooks filled with notes. But what we need are high watermarks of encounter with God. We need, it's awesome, we don't remember the notes, but we remember what God was doing and how he touched us and how he changed us. That's what we need today. Now today, 
the first thing that I want you to notice about Mark chapter 10 that is the setting. The setting is Jericho. And a lot of you guys probably remember Jericho, you know, right? You, you, from Sunday school, you grew up in church, you heard the story about Jericho. Jericho was the very first city that was taken by the ch children of Israel, right? And you remember the plan for Jericho because it had large, large walls, it was a walled city, and there was no way to get into it, and God gave them a plan. They said, listen, you're going to walk quietly with my presence around the city for seven days. And on the seventh day, you're going to walk seven times. And at the end of the seventh time, you're going to blow a shofar seven times. And then you blow the, the, the shofar seven times, release a shout, and the walls will come down. Well, that's exactly what happened. I love in the Hebrew when you kind of actually, uh, it says that the walls, in English it kind of says, and the walls fell flat. Uh, the picture is uh, that God reached his leg over heaven and put his foot on the top of the wall and pushed it into the ground. That's the picture in Hebrew. And so we remember that story. And you remember what happened? The children of Israel run up into the city and they take it completely. But there's one something very interesting about Jericho in that it, it was the first city of the promised land. Therefore, the whole city was be, to be devoted to the Lord. Everything in that city was to be devoted to the Lord. All the spoils come to the sanctuary. Everything in that city was devoted to him. And what we find, and sometimes we miss this in the book of Joshua about Jericho is, is that in this moment where they're of great victory, Joshua gives a prophetic warning. In, in verse 26, Joshua 6, 26, he says this, Then Joshua charged them at that time, saying, Cursed be the man before the Lord who rises up and builds this city, Jericho. He shall lay its foundation with his firstborn, and with his youngest, he shall set up, set up its gates. 530 years after this ominous word is given, a man named Hiel, H-I-E-L, comes along and decides to rebuild the city. As he is laying the foundation, his firstborn dies there. As he is setting up the gates of the city, his youngest son dies there. I don't know about, I don't know if you know this, but Hebrews are really, really, really good with history. And they're really, really good at teaching people, especially about this moment, the most significant moment of breakthrough in, in, in the people of God's history is being told and retold and retold and retold. And I don't know if this guy was sleeping in, you know, you know, Sunday school. I don't know. I don't know. Did he sleep through this part when they were giving this warning? I'm not sure. But I, I do understand this, that ignorance can be dangerous. Ignorance can be dangerous. And because of that ignorance, Jericho became a place of loss. It's not only a place of triumph, now it's a place of loss. It's a cursed place. It's a place out of ignorance, someone experienced tremendous tragedy. Now, 
Here's the great news. Jesus comes to that city. Jesus comes to this, the city of loss, the city of the curse. I love this about Jesus because if you're here today, and you can just get this from the very beginning, and you've experienced traumatic loss, and you feel like you've been under a curse, and that God doesn't want anything to do with you, just read the Bible. Jesus walks right up into the city that's been cursed, and he says, I don't care if it's been cursed. I don't care if it's a place of loss. Matter of fact, he has just walked out of the gate that where the young son lost his life. He's just walked out of the gates. And here's what he's saying. I am bigger than any curse. I am bigger than any loss. And when Jesus went into any city, they experienced his power, his goodness, his grace, his truth. It broke out everywhere. It's not written here, but everywhere that Jesus went, where he was received by faith, something happened. But in this story, it's very interesting. Jesus goes to the place of curse and loss, and all we get is Jesus came and he was leaving. Jesus came, and then he went out. You see, the important thing to note here is that this is a moment, Nancy Anderson, called transition. She didn't compare notes, by the way. She said, you're in a moment where you're about to experience a shift. An Isaiah 43 moment says, where God says, I am doing a new thing. Will you not perceive it? That's the word of the Lord. And here it is, right here. This is a moment called transition. It's a time or a season that is coming to a close, and a new day is coming. The picture is Jesus is coming, and now he's moving on. There's a transition happening. It's a shift. And this is where the story begins. For a man named Bartimaeus, a blind beggar. Now, it is absolutely fascinating to me that this blind beggar is named in Scripture. Fascinating. Why do we have his name? I mean, there are a lot of people that we learn a lot of things from in the Bible that we, don't, we, don't, we never get their name. How about this one? The woman with the issue of blood. Don't get her name. But here's what we learn. Here's what we learn. Jesus on the way to raise the dead, and she has a condition where she has had a flow of blood for years and years, tried to get better. Doctors couldn't help, spent all of her wealth, and she said, if I can just press through and touch the very hem of his garment, that it was actually the edge of his prayer cloth that he was wearing, and, and she said, all I got to do is touch the hem, and I'll be healed. She touches it and immediately is healed. She teaches us a lot about faith, a lot about power, a lot about pressing in to get a touch from heaven, even when you feel like you're not on the agenda of heaven. But we don't get her name. How about the man with the withered hand? You ever hear that story? A man comes to church with a withered hand. He can't use it. 
And I love this story. For the man with the withered hand, he got to be the example of a greater truth. Here's this man with the withered hand. He comes to the synagogue, and Jesus then begins to speak to the religious leaders. And he says, is it a good thing that I heal on the Sabbath? He's bringing up a religious struggle for them while there's someone who is withered. Good news for you today. If you come in here with some area of your life dried up, there is a king and a Lord who is willing to touch you and heal you all while trying to speak to somebody else. And God says, stretch forth your hand. He gets healed. And the Pharisees are really mad because now they're getting that Jesus is even Lord of the Sabbath. But we don't get his name. How about the demoniac? That guy's got a great story. The guy's screaming, cutting himself with rocks, breaking chains, naked, running around in a, a cemetery. Jesus shows up on the shore. This man runs out of the cemetery, falls at the feet of Jesus said, what have we to do with you? Have you come here to torment us before our time? And Jesus said, what's your name? He says, Legion, for we are many. He says, oh, don't make us go to dry places. The, the Spirit starts speaking. He says, let us go into those pigs. He casts them into the pigs. The pigs run down a hill. About 2,000 of them, they just run off into the, in, and drown themselves in a lake. This guy gets dressing in his right mind, and then the city gets scared. Dude is bleeding, screaming, breaking chains, howling at night, and you're afraid when he's healed. That'll tell you something. <laughs> they said, Jesus, you got to leave. The demoniac looks him in the eye and says, I'm going with you. Jesus said, no, you're not. You go and you tell everybody about the heart of God and the power of God that has set you free. Listen to this. Listen to this. And it says, immediately he began to preach in a place called Decapolis. Decapolis is very interesting. It means ten cities. Brother preaches a revival crusade in ten cities. Don't even get his name. How about the lad, as the, the scriptures say? The lad, you know, with the fish and the loaves. The boy. No name. Great miracle. No name. How about the woman caught in adultery? Greatest scene of restoration. No name. But here we got a blind beggar with a name. See, it's in his name that we find out who he's supposed to be. See, his name is kind of a compound name. There's is actually two words, Bar and Timaeus. Bar means son of. Timaeus means son of honor. It means honor. And oftentimes in the Old Testament, when you heard someone's name, it identified their calling. It identified who they were supposed to be, but we found out through this text, he is a blind beggar 
anything but honored. Anything but honored. Bartimaeus finds himself in a crisis brought on by his condition. He's blind. His condition has rendered him a bystander to the normal ebbs and flows of life. He is there but only to glean from the goodness of those who would regularly pass by Jericho. The gifts he received brought momentary peace to the questions that surged through his mind day after day. Where is the next one who will help me? When, when, when will I receive enough to feed me for another day? And his only consolation that we have from this story is his coat. That he's wearing in his condition. Got a coat. A coat was good for some things. His coat would help him cope with his condition. After all, it kept him warm in the winter, dry when it would rain, and shield him from the sun when there was no shade. But the one thing he was hanging on to couldn't change his condition. It just helped him cope with his condition. I believe that there are people in this sanctuary today who are in a crisis because of your condition. You could be physically ill. You could be bound up in unforgiveness and bitterness. There could be horrific trauma that's been inflicted in your life by people driven by demons. And your condition has handicapped you. And now the only hope is that what you have will help you cope in your crisis. See, I saw the other day, I, I did something um, that really reminded me, the Lord kind of reminded me of it, and it's something that really is brand new to me. The other day, I did something that every uh, male in his uh, 40s should do, and that is you should get a Jeep Wrangler. Um, <laughs> it is the most expensive hobby on the planet. Jeep stands for just empty every pocket, Okay? Okay. Uh, and, uh, and so, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, you know, and we have, um, just across 44 here, 50,000 acres of some of the coolest trails around. You can kind of drive all around. It's really cool. And so once we got it home and we saw that it, I didn't even wait to really check it out. I'm like, man, let's just go to the woods. If it breaks, it breaks, you know, whatever, you know, I love, I love that kind of thing. So I take my sons, you know, and we took the strip the top of it off because now in this car, I'm learning that we want mud on the inside. I don't know. That's a different thing for me. Okay. And so we're hanging out the windows, getting mud all over us, driving up and down. It's really cool. And we're, and then we come down this hill and all of a sudden I see 
something that was kind of striking. The sun was going down, it was getting a little bit low, and there is a car stuck in the valley. It's buried. I thought to myself, this is so Citrus County. <laughs> Out in the middle of the forest, stuff like, uh, but at first I was kind of taken back. I was like, whoa, th- th- there may be somebody in there hurt. So I'm kind of creeping up, got this light bar. On, on my Jeep, it's enough to scorch your retinas. I flipped that thing on and I could see now into the car. No one's in there. And I noticed this. It's completely buried and there's a tow rope coming off the front of it. And so I did what, you know, you're supposed to do. Sling mud on it. That's what I did, you know. I just, you know, we went around it. We went through the same hole, man. And my vehicle, I mean, we're doing great. We're like, wow, wow, you know, and mud's going everywhere. And that car is stuck in the same hole that we're, we're flourishing in. And I want to tell you something. If you're stuck today, a stronger one has come today. Not me, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And you may feel like you're in a condition where you can't do anything about what you're going through. Listen, you may be like that car, got a tow rope hanging off the front. The only reason it has a tow rope hanging off the front is because somebody tried to pull it out and was unsuccessful. Which could say something, your best efforts probably won't work. You need the stronger one to intervene. And Bartimaeus found himself in the middle of a crisis, but he broke into a new season. And I believe that the Spirit of God will show us how to break into ours. Anybody want some keys to breaking into a new season? We need to all go higher in this place. If your heart is burning this morning, there's more fire for you. If your heart is ice cold toward God, your heart can come alive today in Christ. You can be fully alive knowing your Savior before you leave this service. You can be set free of torment. You can absolutely go out of this place whole in Jesus' name. There are some keys to breaking free I want to give you today as we examine this story. Number one, we need ears to hear. It says this, and when he heard, it occurred to me that You know, that while Bartimaeus was blind, he still had some things going for him. He could hear. And some of us in the room are, are so focused on what we do have, we have forgotten what God has given us. And there is something powerful God is trying to release on the church today. Ears to hear. We all have this filter. We all have this, the, the filter of experience. Maybe it's the filter of the church you used to go to or the trauma you've been through. We all have a filter through which the things that we hear have to go through. But I want to tell you, we need ears to hear what God is saying despite our experience. It says, and when he heard... I kind of feel like if the devil really wanted to take Bartimaeus out, he shouldn't have only stolen his sight, should have stolen his hearing. Because Romans 10, 17 says this, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And if you're here today and you came in with no hope and no idea of how you were getting out, faith is rising in your heart right now. 
Why? Because the word of the Lord is being released to you. Hope is rising. Faith is rising. When you get God's word in your heart through ears to hear, something begins to break you into freedom. Scripture tells us over and over again, there is no way to please God except by faith. It's impossible to please God without faith. We need ears to hear. Second thing we need is a mouth to speak. We need a mouth to speak. It says in the passage, it says, he began to cry out and say. I believe that this is a word for somebody today. Silence is the enemy of opportunity. Silence is the enemy of opportunity. I want you to understand something. The silence that has been upon the men and the women of the church of America has been deafening. And I believe that maybe we don't know what to say, which goes back to point one, ears to hear. We need to be hearing God's word and building on that foundation. But the silence that has been released, I believe one of the primary areas that God wants to keep you silent or that, that the devil wants to keep you silent is this, in the area of prayer. You see, Bartimaeus' cry was a cry of prayer. And where we've been silent as the church is in the area of prayer. Now I want you to look at another powerful passage on prayer in light of God releasing a mouth to speak. James chapter 5 said, Is anyone among you suffering? Let him open his mouth and pray. Is any one of you cheerful? Cheerful. Let him sing psalms. That is opening your mouth. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise them up. And if he's committed any sins, he will be forgiven. Confess your trespasses one to another. Pray for one another that you may be healed. The affected, fervent prayer of the righteous man avails much. I believe much of the current condition of our nation is directly connected to the silence of the church in prayer. Listen, church, when Jesus starts to transition you, when you feel a shifting and you feel stuck and you don't know how you're going to get out, it is not time to be silent. It is time to lift up your voice. Men of the church, I'm telling you, it is time that we begin to cry out and lift up our voices over our families. We begin to cry out to God and say, God, come and move in my community. Come and do something different. Men of God, raise up and stop being silent. It is time we take a stand. And be who God has created us to be. I don't care how old you are in here today. It's time that we allow what God is doing in this moment to open our mouths on his behalf. Especially in the area of prayer. Not only do we need ears to hear and a mouth to speak, we need a heart of revelation. And this is one of the most powerful things that I've come across in a long time. We need a heart of revelation. It says, when Bartimaeus 
It says, when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Now, if you're just reading through, you're just thinking, oh, wow, that's, that's, that's just something to kind of read over. But in my opinion, it's two of the greatest contrasting statements ever written so closely together. Jesus of Nazareth and Jesus, son of David. You see, Nazareth is the town where after saving Jesus as a baby, Joseph, his dad, moved the family to Nazareth. It wasn't their birthplace. It wasn't the town of their lineage. It's Nazareth. I will say this to you. Joseph was an amazing, amazing father. You ought to do a little study on Joseph, of Joseph and Mary, fathers, so you can learn how to launch your children into their destiny. Joseph had a radical life before God. He lived and listened to God, and it produced something awesome, the protection of our Lord and Savior as a young child. Listen to this. Nazareth was so looked down on you guys remember this scene from John chapter 1 where um, they're going out in the very early stages of Jesus' ministry to get people to follow him. And I'll never forget this. At Nathaniel's calling, they run to Nathaniel. He's sitting under a fig tree. And they said, Nathaniel, we found him. The Savior, it's Jesus of Nazareth. Do you know what Nathaniel said? Can anything good come out of Nazareth? <laughs> Philip said, come and see. Come and see. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? When the people were saying on the road, the multitude that was following Bartimaeus, you know, walking in front of Bartimaeus, what they were saying is, it's Jesus of Nazareth. It's Jesus of Nazareth. You know, Jesus of Nazareth, that common place, nothing good can come out of there. It's just Jesus of Nazareth. It's just another guy from another town. It's just another religious figure, just another religious rabbi, just another guy who says he's speaking on God's behalf. But something happened in Bartimaeus. When he heard Jesus of Nazareth, he heard, oh no, the promised one is here. The creator is walking by me. And he said, son of David, have mercy on me. Over and over, son of David, have mercy on me. And son of David was a term that all of Israel knew because it only applied to one person, the Messiah. 
It applied to the Messiah. It meant that the fulfillment of Isaiah chapter 9 was going to take place. It says, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, and of the increase of his government and peace there will be no end, and upon the throne of David and over his kingdom, to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward, even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. He knew this was the one. He had a revelation of who was passing by. And I want to say this to you. You've come to church. I'm so glad that you're here. But do you know who has come to minister to you today? Do you think of him as Jesus of Nazareth, just another religious figure or do you know him as the son of David? Do you know this king whose voice right now is as the sound of many waters? Whose face right now is shining like the sun in its strength? He is clothed in white right now. His robe dipped in blood. He is the king of kings, lord of lords, all-powerful creator God. He said in Revelation, I am the alpha and the omega the beginning and the end. This is the one who's passing by. He is no longer a broken man on a cross. He is risen. He's conquered death, hell, and the grave, and he's walking by you. Whoa, help me preach. And I want to say this. Heaven stands still. When he hears, when heaven hears the cry of someone who has had the revelation of Jesus, heaven stands still. It says, when he heard the cry, son of David, the son stood still. The picture in this, in this scene is that he has already walked by him. Because in Jewish culture, the, the rabbi, the leader, they would be out front. His disciples would be really close, and then the multitudes would follow along. And do you know who heard Bartimaeus? Who, who Bartimaeus heard? The multitudes. And he's moving on. Jesus is moving on. But then there came a cry of revelation. I want to say this to you today. I don't care how long you've been in church. You don't know him as well as you can know him today and tomorrow. You don't know everything about him. The Bible says that he is unsearchable and yet sets us on a path to search him out. Young man, young woman in this place, set your life to searching him out. He is greater, more powerful, better, more merciful. He is far beyond everything that you can imagine. And there is something more for you to find out today, tomorrow, next month, next week. How do I know that? Ephesians chapter 1. One of the greatest churches ever planted was in the place called Ephesus in Asia Minor, modern-day Turkey. It is said that this church would have about 50,000 members at this time. An explosion of ministry took place. 
such an explosion took place that the Apostle Paul sent his like own, very own son in the faith to pastor at Timothy. Some of church history even suggests that Jesus' mother, Mary, went to church there. That she left Jerusalem and went up to Ephesus. Listen to what the Apostle Paul wrote to quite possibly the greatest church of their time. He says, I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, that the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of, the, of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power. Listen, he's saying, I'm praying a spirit of wisdom and revelation on you. I know you've got it together. I know you're a good church. I know that there's a lot of good things happening. He says, what you need? A spirit of wisdom and revelation. You need a fresh revelation of God. And church, if you're stuck here today, you need a fresh revelation of God. If you found yourself bound, you need a fresh revelation of God. If you're here today in bondage and you're not living for God, you need a revelation of him. You need a revelation. You don't need to know that he went to the cross. You need to stand before the cross and gaze on a dying Savior. If you need to know he's powerful, you need to stand before an empty tomb and see it's that way for you and for me. We need a heart of revelation. God... Show us all how great you are. The fourth thing that you need today is a resolve in your spirit. You need some resolve in your spirit. In terms of the fruit of the spirit, you might call this steadfast. In, the, in our story, it says, Then many warned him to be quiet, but he cried out all the more. Why is it that religious people always come against people who really want something from God? They're following Jesus. They're not supposed to be silencing him. They're supposed to be cheering him. They're like, oh, no, 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 no. No, you need to be quiet. No, 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 just sit there. Don't respond. Don't worship. Lift your hands. No way. Just be quiet. And he cried out all the more. Listen, I want to say this to you. There will always be a voice in your ear that's speaking to you, that's saying you can't have what God's offering. There will always be a voice speaking to you that says, no, 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 no. It doesn't take all that. Just be quiet. It doesn't take all that. You don't have to be radical. You don't have to, you don't have to. Listen, if Bartimaeus would have remained silent, he would have remained in his condition. And I want to tell you today, don't remain in your condition when God is passing by. And don't let opposition stop you. Listen, 
Opposition is a prophetic indicator of potential. Opposition is a prophetic indicator of potential. Listen, how do I know that? Because the devil never goes to war where there are no spoils. He would not be coming after you. You would not be going through all this if there was not a great anointing God was trying to put on your life. A mighty ministry that was supposed to flow through you. Somebody who was supposed to get saved or healed or delivered. He wouldn't come after you. You need some resolve in your spirit. You need something on the inside that can look somebody in the the eyes and say, I'm not getting drunk. I am drunk on his presence. I don't want to be numb. I want to feel everything. Listen, there's a reason why the scripture says we're called to fight the good fight of faith. Most of us get us this idea in our head that when we get saved, whoa, it's over. Uh-uh, you just, you just laid, you just first punch. It is a fight for your faith. It'll be a fight tomorrow and fight next week. It's going to be a fight. It's a fight to say, I'm going to keep my heart burning before God. I'm going to keep praying. I'm going to keep believing. I'm going to keep standing. And if I don't see it in my lifetime, my prayers will show up in my kids. I promise you, I'm going to fight. You need to get some resolve in your spirit. Stop laying down for the enemy. The second thing is, we got to get a hand to release. The next thing is a hand to release. I love this. It says that when they said, rise, he's calling you. He says, he grabbed that coat that was helping him cope. And he, he threw it off. He threw off the coat that was helping him cope in his condition. He had a hand to release. I want you to hear something this morning. Hebrews 12, 1, the very beginning of it says, Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which easily ensnares us. I promise you there are two things that are coming against you, going after God's plan in your life. It is the weights. The weights. These things aren't necessarily sin, but they are the things that fill your life, that keep you from your calling. I look at some of our young people sometimes, and they spend all of their time in athletics, and they're not athletic. I'm like, stop it. Play an instrument. Do something else. It's not you. And I want to say something to you. Some of us in this room, we're pursuing things that aren't us. They're not necessarily sin, but when you fill your life with them, they can become an idol and take the place of God. And you find yourself in a rut. And you find yourself in a crisis that you can't get out of. Unless you get an open hand. And you say, I'm going to let go of everything that's been helping me cope. 
It does say this. It says the weight and the sin. If you've got to go home every night and drink two glasses of wine, it's sin. It's sin. Why? Because the very thing that God was to give you through the Holy Spirit, we're replacing by something that numbs us. And we need specific preachers, and I'm being specific today. We clothe, we've been clothing ourselves with entertainment because we can't stop our brain from, from functioning. And so we leave the TV on when we go to sleep because that's the only way we can fall asleep. I know I've been there. Some of you came in here addicted. I don't care what the addiction is. It doesn't matter. Whatever it is today, let it go. Let it go. Let that thing go. Understand God is big enough to deliver you. He doesn't want you bound to anything. Not nicotine, not alcohol. He does not want you under the control of anything but his spirit. And so what have we been doing? We've been, well, this is really who I am, so I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna keep, it's just gonna keep coping, keep coping, keep coping. Listen, if you want to come into what God has for you, let go of what you've been using to cope. You need a hand to release so you can run. We have to be willing to release things which have been helping us to cope with our crisis. We think that they're actually helping. They've been slowing us down in our race. Not only do we need that open hand, we need feet that run. We need feet that run. I love it. He cast aside his and he came to Jesus. He came to Jesus. He rose and he came to Jesus. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 goes on to say, and let us run. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Listen, today God wants to give you feet that run. You ought to respond to God and run to him. We've been running to everything else to try to cope in our condition, but it's time that we run back to him. We run back to prayer. We run back to fellowship. We run back to the church. We run back to holiness. We run back to consecration. We run back to laying down our lives. We've got to get up and begin to run the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus. We look to everything else when stuff comes the generation that I spend most of my time with, when crisis comes, they look to social media. And some of the adults caught on that there was Facebook, and every time you go through something, you post it. Stop it. That's why all the young people left Facebook. They're like, oh, my parents found it, whatever. They're griping online. Stop it. It's immature. Ooh, I bit my tongue. Some almost flew out. That would have offended somebody. You got to stop. You have to stop. You have to run your race looking to Jesus. When you hit a crisis, who do you think of first? 
If you don't think, man, I better hit my knees or I better get somebody in the kingdom who can help me in this moment, I, listen, we look to another relationship, listen, that will not deliver. You have to run to him. I love that he got past all those people that were saying Jesus of Nazareth so he could get before the son of David. You might have to step away some, from some folk who like their stuck situation. I, I've learned something in 15 years of ministry here. Some people don't want to get out of the rut. They just kind of like the mud because then they got something to talk about. But God will set you free you'll get feet that run you'll run to him looking unto jesus jesus will set you free the last key is simply this we need faith to believe when bartimaeus came before jesus says jesus answered and said to him what do you want me to do for you the blind man said rabboni that i may receive my sight then Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith has made you well. Simply put, faith. Faith not only knows God can, but he will. Faith not only knows God can, but he will. And listen, if you were given that moment, standing before the creator in the middle of your crisis, what would you ask for? Most of us in this room would ask for more money. We'd say, Lord, just give me wealth. You know why? Because that's a spirit called mammon talking to you that says if you had more money, you would have less problems. No, you need more God in your life so that that mammon spirit can't talk to you anymore. You need faith to believe that he will show up for you. What's your answer? He's standing before you today. What would you have me do for you? What is the thing that has you stuck this morning in that rut? And would you ask him to heal the condition or would you only ask that he would deal with the symptoms? I want to tell you something today. God wants to pull you out. God wants to pull you out because there's a calling on your life. We don't have record of how long Bartimaeus was blind, but every day he was called Bartimaeus, son of honor, and he was anything but a son of honor. And I don't know where you're at today. You may not even have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. I'm going to tell you this right now. God can take you out of darkness into the light in one second. If you would but release a cry, son of David, have mercy on me. Son of David, have mercy on me. God will get you to the place where you believe, Mark 11, 22 through 24. It's where it says, have faith in God. Assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes those things that he says, it will be done. And you will have whatever you said. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. 
it's time that we start speaking to the mountains. We start speaking to the condition and we start speaking to something in the middle of our crisis because God wants to take us to a place of faith. I want to just finish this off by saying this. Truthfully, there's one thing that released this entire moment for Bartimaeus. Mercy. It was mercy. He didn't deserve healing. He certainly hadn't honored it. Hadn't lived up to his name. But the mercy of God came. And we need the mercy of God in this room today. To pull us out of a cold heart toward God. To pull us out of darkness. To pull us out of addiction. To pull us out of being controlled by our culture. We need the mercy of God. And we need a church that will cry out for the mercy of God with a real revelation of who he is. And then watch it spread all over this county. Bartimaeus broke out of his crisis by the mercy of the king through receiving a healing for his condition so he could walk in his calling. He broke out of his crisis through the mercy of the king through receiving a healing for his condition so he could walk in his calling. I love what it finishes up with. It says, and immediately he received his sight and he followed Jesus. I want to say something to you. If God is touching you right now, there is only but one response. Follow him all the days of your life. When God starts to put his hand on you and heal you and bring you out of darkness, follow him all the way. All the way. Cast off restraint. Throw those things to the side. Throw those ideas out and begin to pray and begin to by faith, believe for your family members to be transformed. See addictions break. See bloodline lineages and generational curses break with you. Just because your dad was an alcoholic and your grandpa was an alcoholic, get born again and set free so the rest of the generations following behind you never touch it again. Get free. Because he whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Immediately, he received his sight. And he followed Jesus. I want you to bow your heads today. He's a God of mercy. He's a God of mercy. And in his mercy, he brought you here today. And you may have felt like a blind man on the side of the road where everybody else seems to be living and flourishing, but you've been stuck. I believe God, today by his grace, has brought you here to get you out. Not because I or any of the other pastors are great. I tell you, he's, he's come today to get you out because he's great. I want to make this statement to you today. There's a lot of ruts out there, but the greatest rut of all is never having given your life to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. That's the greatest rut of all. If you know that right now, you're not right with God, now's your time to get right. Doesn't matter what your sin issue is. Doesn't matter what you're struggling with. Doesn't matter the condition that you're in. There is mercy for you. And mercy that's being extended. There's something brand new for you. 
on the other side of this moment. You say, what do I have to do? You simply got to admit it to God. Say, God, I need you. I've broken every law. I've done it my way. I'm broken, God. I've sinned against you. I've lied, cheated, stealed, stolen. I'm sexually immoral. I give myself to all kinds of things that don't please you. But God, now, I believe you sent your son to die for me so I don't have to live like that anymore. You believe that Jesus Christ came to die on the cross for you, that he was buried, and on the third day, the Bible says, woo, you're saved. You place your faith and trust in him, you confess him as your Lord and Savior, the Bible says, you are forgiven. But there are others here today, you've already done that, but the busyness of life And the cold realities of the fight have cooled your burning heart before God. And you're in a condition and you feel like it's a crisis. God wants to set you free. I'm going to do in this service what we did in the first service. Whether you've never given your life to Christ or whether you feel as if you are stuck and God has been you can feel him calling you to another level calling you into a fresh place welcoming you into a place of healing maybe you've been bound in some kind of addiction it could be anything pornography I don't know what it is God is here in his mercy to pull you out So if you need to give your life to Christ, there's one prayer to pray. Son of David, have mercy on me. And if you need the delivering hand of God in your life, there's one prayer to pray. Son of David, have mercy on me. And if that's you, either one of those two, you need to give your life to Christ or you need, man, you need the delivering power of God. If that's you, I want you to stand to your feet and make your way to this altar. Don't wait. We ask God to give you feet to run and you need to get up from right where you are right now and to begin to pursue God and to do things that you probably wouldn't have done in any other format or any other time. If that's you, God's speaking to you. Respond right now. You've been bound. You've been held. You've been held back. You know you're meant for more. You know that you are called to walk in more. And now is the time to respond. Now is that moment. Come on, don't sit there and let Jesus pass you by. This is your moment.